it's a fundamental question that we all deal with as homeowners. When do I repair something and when do I replace something? You can look at anything around your house. And, and that question, it comes down to it at some point in your life. Repair or replace. That's our new game we're going to play. Hey, let's build it on Radio.com with Corey Heppola and from Lindus Construction, Andy Lindus. So I'm looking around my house and I'm going, okay, does that need to be repaired or does that need to be replaced? Same thing over here, repair or replace. That's the new game, Andy, repair or replace. And and before we get going on here, I've got four items from around the house and, and I want to get your opinion on do we repair it or do we replace it? But first, I think to understand the answers to these questions, we have to know the context of them first. A lot of things are going to come into a factor here. How old is that product is probably going to be the first question I ask. And typically on almost all things on the exterior of your home, if it's 15 years or older, more than likely I'm going to lean replace. And, and, and a good rule of thumb for me is going to, another thing I want to look at is what is the repair cost? What does the replacement cost? When things are, are over 10 years old, I'm no matter what, I'm going to know that number when it comes to my house, because I know that once you hit the 10-year mark, you might be replacing that one. You, the, aesthetically, it might just be the time to do it. And you get a, a you know, wild hair and say, hey, I want a new color in my house. So I want, I want to replace that. Or the materials fail. Building materials fail tend to, in that 10 to 20-year mark more often than not, especially stuff that is built nowadays. Now, if you have chosen the right manufacturer, the right contractor to work with, when it comes to roofing, siding, windows, a lot of times you can get parts and pieces and repair that for 15, 20, 25, 30 years because of what was used on your project. So this is going to be wildly individually normally in the world out there, but I'm going to try to streamline this as best I can for you here. And, and let's start with, start with roofing. Okay. Roofing. Let's go here. Good. Repair or replace the new game, Andy. And let's, new game. Yes, let's do it. Let's start with your roof. Okay. You said age plays a factor here, but what else? Roof, repair or replace? Um, the, the type of roofing that you have, you know, say it's a cedar shake roof. The, the nice part about cedar shakes is they're going to age pretty good. And there's things that you can do on cedar shakes to really get them to go. In fact, if you have a cedar shake roof, chances are you need to repair it every year. That's the biggest drawback on that roof. Yes, can it last 50 years? For sure. But you should be repairing it every year because of what happens with those cedar shakes. They move, they turn, somebody walks on them, and they crack and split. It's just not a very durable roof, easily repaired easily maintained, but it needs yearly maintenance. When it comes to like an asphalt roof, there's some tricks to the trade that you may be able to just replace an entire square. Say a tree falls on your house and your roof is under 10 years old. If you have the right asphalt shingle, you might be able to repair that. Now here's the, the dirty little secret most contractors don't want you to know, especially in the roofing world. And the reason I know this is because I sit in all these seminars and they, they, they see, and they, they tell me this and I don't do it because we don't have a big repair division and usually the repairs that we do are our own customers. So we don't, that's just part of the deal to take care of them. But the margins and the money made on repairs is usually twice that of an entire roof replacement. So if you feel like you're getting pushed to repair over replace, that might be the case. And you think it'd be the exact opposite because it costs a lot more. To replace a roof, say it's like a $3,000 repair and a $25,000 replace. 
but they're making 75% of the $3,000 on margin because there's not a lot of time and materials that go into the fix that they put out there. And per versus a roof, it's usually in that 30% margin. So that's a double the margin that the contractor's making. So sometimes they push you down that direction. And when they do that, now they're turning a $25,000 roof. Five years down the road, it's going to be $30,000. And you already spent $2,000. So really, it's a $32,000 roof. So five years down the road, this could potentially cost you seven grand more mm-hmm. than what it would have been on the front end. Moral of the story, if you, you can sit down and have those conversations and detailed report about what the repair is going to take place, not just here's $3,000, we're going to repair your roof. A very detailed scope of work should accompany that. Okay. And if, you can, if you can see that, you're probably going to be okay. All right. So that's roof. Repair or replace? What do you need to know about siding? Siding. You know, this happens a lot. And you, you, good siders are harder to come by. Uh, just think about this in almost every market. For every 25 people that do roofing, there's one person that does siding. That, that, you know, that's, a, that's a different number. So having a good sider is, is step one because you can replace a middle of the wall piece without it being noticed, without removing the entire wall. So if that's the case, say a lawnmower throws a rock and, and puts a dent in the siding or breaks the vinyl siding or the very got a little crazy with a weed whipper and got a little next to the house and that bottom row of siding gets all damaged up or the corner post gets damaged up. All those are easily replaced with the right handyman that, that can do it. You shouldn't have to remove an entire wall or a soffit panel. Something blows up into the, your soffit and dented that. All of that stuff can replace one piece here, one piece there. But if you're replacing siding because it's rotten and falling apart and loose, chances are that repair is not going to be worth it because you're going to be spending so much money down the road to, re- to repair, replace your siding anyways. So at least take a look at what that costs now. It's more often than not, we, we've talked about this all the time that we get out to jobs and it's the second, the third time they've tried to fix it. And again, it's right back to the roofing where if they'd have taken care of it all at once, you're talking not just hundreds of dollars, more often than not, thousands of dollars in savings that could have been had, had they just done it when, when they could. And, and good contractors have ways to help people pay for projects. Now I'm telling you, every single manufacturer out there is coupled with a bank. Now they're, 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 they're knocking on my door daily, Corey, trying to get me to sell financing. I almost feel like a car dealership. You know, like you, you buy a car and, the, and you want to pay, uh, write a check for it. And the car dealer goes, well, if you finance it, it'll actually give you a better deal. Like we're not quite there yet in the financing world of home improvements, but they're, they're all these venture capital money. There's a, there's more money coming into the home improvement sector than, than there ever has. So interest refinancing, low interest rate refinancing, unsecured financing. I've never seen stuff like this. So if, if you're coming down to, I need, I can only afford this right now. I'll in two years, I'll replace it have that conversation with your contractor. He might be, he or she might be able to help you out with that that way. And say okay. again, thousands of bucks, Corey. Right. If I were to tell you, do it now and save 10 grand, most people would if they could. Yeah. So repair or replace, we've done two, roof and siding. Mm-hmm. Let's, do, let's do one more. Okay. Um, let's do windows. How do you right. know? Depending on the window manufacturer, if, 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 if the window was a problem before it was broken, and that's what they're like, where, what I'm basing this on. You, like, you threw a rock at it, you open it up, broke the crank off, the lock broke off, 
something like that. If, if you're replacing or fixing it because you broke it, it's probably worth fixing it. And most manufacturers, like on the windows that we install, if you look in the upper left-hand corner of the glass, there's going to be a code on it. And we're also going to have a code on your file at our office. So you, you can call me up and be like, hey, the window you installed in my bedroom, and I'm going to look and I'm going to have that code there. And I'll be able to call up Marvin and be like, all right, I need a new sash for this code. And, mm-hmm. and they're going to give me a sash, send it to me. You're talking about a 20-minute fix. Boom, put it in, brand new sash. You don't have to mess with the frame, none of, none of that stuff. It's worth it. If the windows are falling apart and, and are 25 years old and are, are very energy efficient and, and not a very good window, it's probably not worth fixing. Now, have I found parts for Anderson windows that are 60 years old and, and fixed them? Yes. Yes, I have. And are they, are they still pretty good? Yeah. But the install was awesome. And it was more about the woodwork and matching the woodwork and, and things like that. There's some, you can repair a 60 year old window and be okay. But if you're talking about adding a storm window, adding plastic, the inside or, or whatever the case may be, you're going to be spending hundreds of dollars. You don't need to. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good Intel in our very first repair or replace and and as you were going along i was like man that's such good info and it's so it's transparent and it's honest it got me thinking about this and so my question for you is why are home improvement companies ranking so high on the list of complaints from the bbb hey here's what's trending so now andy this is something that you told me about that home improvement companies uh they get a lot of complaints how come uh, well, the number one complaint is they didn't finish the job, believe it or not. Um, the number one complaint on home on contractors is they didn't finish the job. One, what, I, what I'm seeing, the communication on the front end of the jobs isn't what it should be. And so the scope of work and the details that are going into the projects, people leave that vague. So they really don't know. The contractor has one idea what he's supposed to do. And then the customer has another one. And then if you pay too much of your money up front, there's a hard way of holding that contractor, you know, accountable. Now, if, if, they, if you still have half the money back, chances are he or she is going to finish the project. But finishing the project seems to always be the number one complaint. I can tell you this. Um, we, we, we haven't had that issue, but we spend so much time on the front end going over the scope of work. And it's a pretty, it, here's one of the things when they like dug into all those complaints, Corey, well, like they did a study, I think in 2013, the Better Business Bureau did on what those complaints were. They found a couple of things. Number one complaint was they didn't finish work. 70% of the people complaining took the cheapest bid that they got. So what does that tell you? I, I, what I know, like I go out and do a roof bid or a, a, any type of home room bid. I'm going to see, say I'm at $45,000 to do whatever project. I might see other estimates anywhere from eighteen dollars to $38,000. Eighteen dollars to $38,000. The old joke when it comes to contractors is, you know, the, uh, the, the, the yacht named change order and the dinghy named uh, original contract, the, the change orders is what they try to get you with. And, and, and doing your due diligence up front is going to be much better. But some, most of these contractors don't understand margin. They, they're just a, they're, they have a tool belt. They haven't ran a business before. And they're just out there one-man band throwing numbers on a napkin and hoping things, things go. I mean, that's the vast majority of our contractors out there. 
God bless them, great craftsmen, and 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 these are half the people I get this. I spend most of my time with wonderful, hardworking, blue collar people. But contractors as a whole, how do I put this? They're too nice. Hmm. Does that make sense? They 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 feel that they're worth how they put their worth and what they put for a number to make money, to make sure that they're going to be around or have enough money to finish the project, have enough money to pay the supplier, pay the installer. You know how many times I, I, I get jobs because the installation crews left? Mm. Literally, most, most contractors out there use subcontractors. Well, if you don't pay your subcontractors, they're going to start a job and they might just walk mm. on you. Now, uh-huh. what are you going to do? Pay another guy to come in there double? Yeah, so, so what do you ask then? What do you ask you know, um, your, your, your contractor and, uh, and obviously you do your research, find out the, the right person for you, but what questions should you be asking them? I, I would want a very detailed scope of work. It's not just $40,000 say, let's take, let's take uh, siding. I want to know the amount of squares of siding picked out, the amount of square, the amount of linear footage of fascia board that we're going to use, how many windows we're going to wrap, the amount of days that they think that the job's going to use, what type of underlayment they're going to use. Uh, is there any extra money in there in case they run into rotten wood? What is, what is the hourly rate? Should they run into rotten wood? Uh, and last year, think about it. Think about it. Lumber prices went up 170%. Yeah. And so the, all of a sudden, contractors are getting these crazy bills that they didn't anticipate so they didn't tell the homeowner about it then they try to stick the homeowner or they they can't pay their suppliers so now they can't even get materials to start the jobs it's a it's a doing your due diligence on front and having a very detailed contract and and a scope of work and Corey, I, I can tell you this my wife and i probably don't take enough time in the planning process on my own stuff at home like, like, do I take the time to meet with everyone that's going to come to my house and go through it with a, with a fine tooth comb? It's a pain in the butt. Yeah. You know, you know, you're going to meet with three contractors on a remodeling project, you know, figure four hours per contractor. Who's got 12 hours in a week, in a month to, to figure that out, to, yeah. to go through that. But when you think about the work that gets happened on the front end, and how much it can, how much time you want to put into the back end? What's it cost to take a contractor to court? How much time is that going to cost you? I mean, how much is the time is it going to cost you to hire the second guy? I mean, just go on the Better Business Bureau and look. And, and the ratings on Better Business Bureau, it makes no sense to me. Everybody's got a freaking A rating, and we're still the most complained on group in the world. Dig into the reviews and don't just use the Better Business Bureau. Go on Google, go on Facebook, go on House, Pinterest, have an idea on the front end. There's the resources we have available to us nowadays. Finding a bad contractor shouldn't happen as much as it does. And, yeah. and, and, and let's face it, Corey, I took a one day class when I was 19 years old, and then I was a licensed contractor in most states after passing the exam. That's too easy. It's just, it's just too easy to become a contractor. And, and, and if you're getting away without pulling permits and things like that, which a lot of people do, it's just, there's, there's a lot of wonderful craftsmen in our business, but it's not hard to become one. So there is sure. some personal responsibility there, asking the questions, mm-hmm. doing the, you know, doing, doing that part of it, the due diligence. And, and it sounds like a lot of it has to do with communication. Um, so I've got, I've got another thing that's going to get you going because I know you, it's one of your top pet peeves, but we're going to bring it up again. Hey, here's health. Here we go again. Attic insulation, man. You, 
this is I'm, I'm just here to get you going get you riled up again mm-hmm. yeah you know um well maybe take a second and, and and look at it from my perspective um the reason why i've spent the last three years talking to all my salespeople, all my roofing people about attic insulation and ventilation is say we have a project and and we took the homeowner's word for it that hey my insulation's good my ventilation i had a contractor out a couple years ago and they put all new insulation and it's going to be good just do the roof no problem all right so i do the roof roof leaks they call me up we're going look flashing looks good everything looks good we get up the attic and we see condensation in the attic they didn't they didn't they didn't do something around some chimney there's frost on the thing and i go down and be like well Sorry, we were too dumb to look in your attic when we first did the roof because we took your word. The, the insulation was going to be fine because we thought all contractors were as good as they should be, but they're not. So now I guess I'm going to do this $2,000 in insulation for free to make sure your roof that doesn't leak doesn't leak anymore. Mm. Um, I, I've had so many of those conversations, Corey, that, that, that it's the first time I've really put a full core press on, on trying to change a code. Um, and trying to get something better written in, in, in the states in which I work with. Uh, the, the wonderful that the city of Minneapolis, Minneapolis and the inspectors there are looking for attic air sealing when we, when we do insulation jobs. And that city is going to be better off for it. What that means. So today it's, what, 12 below outside? Something like that. Yeah. So the stack effect is happening. What that means is warm air is rising and if you don't have attic air sealing, that warm air is able to go into your attic. And as it's going to go all the way up to the top of your attic, a couple things are going to happen there. One, that warm air is going to come into contact with the cold surface and probably cause condensation. Two, that warm air is going to start to push the cold air down your walls. So you'll actually see warm air going up your attic and people replace windows, doors, all sorts of things. They buy those stupid foam inserts that go underneath an outlet. Yeah. And then yeah. glue it to the wall, thinking that's gonna that's the problem. No, it's not your that wind is blowing through your wall. It's that you have such bad insulation, all the hot air is going up, and it's pulling that air has to go somewhere. So the cold air is coming down your walls and it comes out your trim, out your windows, and out your outlets. That's air coming from, from your attic. Now, put the fact that there's probably been a rodent or two in your attic. So now you're breathing, it's just so rodent dropping filtered air coming down your walls so when i explain this to people and i go and then if you saw the the bat droppings and the the, i mean just black i mean yellow and gray insulation turned black that's the stuff that's coming down your walls and now that cold air is going to find another warm surface maybe inside your wall maybe it gets to an outlet that's not plugged in all the way and you got condensation happening now you can even have a fire hazard happening hint hint um, aren't you dealing with some outlet issues? Have you called that electrician yet, sir? You know what's amazing? I, I didn't. We haven't, since we talked about it a month ago, not mm-hmm. one time. I, I, did you just okay. fix it on its own? Can that happen? No, probably not. I, I doubt <laughs> it. I think, I think the connection's just good. It's, uh, I would, I, it's not something that, that just gets fixed on, on its own. Um, but and uh if they didn't use the right gauge wire that might be your issue not to go back to that thing but but if you have like what we talked about where those outlets are loose you might have some loose wires now you have that cold air coming down it hits that warm surface so you got condensation coming on a bad electrical connection 
you know, it's just water, electricity, those types of things don't go well together. So if you can avoid it, avoid it. And it's pretty easily done in your attic, man. If, if, if you're not addressing attic air sealing, then don't address insulation. It's really that simple, especially if you live in a Northern climate, like, like, yeah. like we do. Yeah. I knew I was going to get you going. That was a great, that was great stuff though. Uh, we got one more. <laughs> hey, here's a pointer. I really thought that this would be pertinent. I hope everyone got the theme when it comes to repair or replace. Um, repairing home improvements is something that, well, if you ask my wife, it's my only job. It seems like, because every time I run into her, it's, Hey, fix this. Hey, fix mm-hmm. that. Hey, fix this. And that's uh, but kind of the hat I wear, I guess. But if it's a newer project, if it's, you're fixing something because it's broken and it was broke because of an incident, it's not broken, broken because of wear and tear, then it's probably worth replacing. But if you think it's broken because of normal wear and tear, that the the product is just deteriorating this much, chances are not worth fixing because you're going to have to keep fixing. But if you can fix it and still get another five, 10, 15 years out of it, Mm -hmm. it might be worth it. If you're fixing it to hold off spending the home improvements two years down the road, not so much. Mm-hmm. How is your to-do list? Is it too long or is it, have you whittled it down some? You know what? I, um, I, I sandbag a little bit on that list. So, you know, I, uh, I, I make things out to be a lot longer projects than, than they are. I'm, I hope my wife doesn't watch these podcasts, but I, I literally, uh, my list, she thinks it's longer than it is because she hasn't checked that some of that list. But right now, it's about this long because why I know if I tell her I've completed this, I've completed this, I've completed this, or this isn't going to take long. She's just going to walk around the house and try to pick out more things for me to do. So oh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a nice steady list right now. Put it that yeah. Way. Lots of times I'll like, even if I get something small done, I'll write it down just so I can cross it off and feel like I've, you know, actually made progress. Something. something. Yeah, exactly. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, good, good chat, buddy. That was good stuff. See ya. See ya. Thank you.